Yo, 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 welcome back, welcome back everybody to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. So, we're here, we're ready. Um, I got a, I got an array, array of topics for you guys to talk about today, or that I'm going to talk about today. Um, I'm excited, I, I'm really excited. So, we got NFL draft stuff, we got NFL offseason, just NFL offseason stuff that we got to talk about. That includes the draft, that includes some coaching hirings, that include, you know, free agency upcoming free agency and these contracts and so forth i you, you guys know i get real super nerd and geekish over this i love it though obviously i want to talk about the new look lakers and so forth so we got an array of things to dive in and get into so let's not even waste any time i'm your humble and highly favorite host isaiah kit of the isaiah kit podcast you know how this goes shouts out to everyone listening shout outs to everyone listening shout out if you're a first-time listener Big ups to you. If you are a regular supporter of the Isaiah Kid podcast, thank you, thank you, thank you. Greatly appreciate it. Greatly appreciate it. And also, oh, I want want you guys to keep in mind, um, and I'm going to try to find a way for you guys to not only hear it, but see it. So I do NFL, like I I break down quarterback film, and I think this content would be something, a, a good addition to the podcast. So I'm going to find a way to I, I break down these film, whether it's pro, um, whether it's like NFL quarterbacks or college quarterbacks. You guys may hear me throughout the football season. Periodically, I talk about quarterback play and I evaluate certain guys and so forth. And I talk about the, like that whole that whole nitty gritty, like that type of stuff. Right. You guys hear me go in depth on that. I want to be able to show you guys the film that I'm breaking down. And I think think certain platforms i think they allow me to have like a video edition so if i can get that video edition that that would be some really good content as well um that that you guys could you know that i do that you guys can see i know sometimes on my socials on my social media pages i do it i i you know i might display some film and so forth and some of my breakdown and analyzation and so forth but I want to be able to see if I can upload it to my actual podcast page, um, the the you know the way how you guys listen to my episode. So I'm gonna try to hand in on and do that. But um, let's get into it. Let's 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 start with Eric Bieniemy getting the offensive coordinator job with the Washington Commanders. Let's start right there. And I'll say this: I think first there's there's a cup there's a couple of there's a few standout things that I want to say. First, I think it's kind of crazy that Eric Bieniemy, after all the success in the five years he was the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs, all of the success he's had, I think I find it really crazy that he has to go from offensive coordinator job to offensive coordinator job with all of the success. I find that crazy. And when people talk about, well, what's one of the bigger reasons or what's one of the like what's one of the big reasons, notable reasons why Eric Bieniemy has failed to once again get a head coaching job or opportunity. And some people say, hey, Andy Reid. And I'm like, OK, and, and I'll say this. Andy Reid, once again, when when given the opportunity to talk about certain things, like, for instance. After the Super Bowl. After the Super Bowl, when Andy Reid, obviously the media, asked him about, hey, like, whoop, like the second half adjustments, offense, offensively, you guys were, they, the Chiefs were clicking. They scored on every drive in the second half of the Super Bowl this past year. 
right? He was he was asked about that, and he said it's like, hey, a lot of the time it's a collective group effort. It's like a group project. It's everyone. It's all hands on deck, and no problem with that answer. But it doesn't really give Eric Bieniemy like it, like it doesn't give him any favors. It doesn't do him any favors, right? But then I think about it. I'm like, okay, Matt Nagy was once the offense coordinator for the Chiefs under Andy Reid, right? Doug Peterson was once under Andy Reid as an offensive coordinator, and he's he's in, he's in got two coaching jobs now, which I think Doug Peterson is absolutely phenomenal. I think Matt Nagy, I think he's a good offensive mind. But when I think about, okay, what's the difference between Matt Nagy, Doug Peterson, and Eric Bieniemy? Like, okay, like that wasn't like – Andy Reid being one of the smartest, if not the the, the smart, like the, the best offensive play designer and play caller, that had nothing to do when that was not brought up when Matt Nagy was trying to get a coaching job. That wasn't the that wasn't the deal when Doug Peterson was trying to get the first coaching job that he got in Philadelphia. That wasn't that wasn't the deal. That wasn't the thing that was being brought up. Now all of a sudden it's being brought up and it's it's hindering Eric Bieniemy. So I don't get that, right? I don't get it. And you ask yourself, what's different? What's the difference between Matt Nagy, Doug Peterson, and Eric Bieniemy? Race. Race. And there's been some questions like, hey, Eric Bieniemy doesn't interview well. Um, you know, people don't think he's as intellectual. And I'm like, I, I mean, this is just me. I'm a communications major. I saw the introductory press conference that Eric Bieniemy did for the Washington Commanders. I must say, sounds like a guy that interviews well. He sounds like a guy that communicates well, and he also sounds like a guy that is intellectual. That like he's an intellect. Like he, I can tell that he's really intellectual. So those. <laughs> The, the the reports and sometimes the things that I hear about like him not being a good interviewer, uh, I don't know. I I I don't know. I think maybe there 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 may be a lack of relatability in terms of if throughout that interview process, but him not interviewing well, him not being intellectual enough, I don't know. I don't know if I can really buy that one. And then I took the time, I looked at the past five years where obviously Eric Bieniemy has been the Chiefs coordinator. And in the past five years, uh, equally aligned, Patrick Mahomes has been the starting quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs. So they've been contenders, right? They've been contenders over the past five years, Super Bowl contenders, right? So I looked at the offensive coordinators that have either appeared in the Super Bowl or went on to win the Super Bowl in the past five years. And here's what I got. The Super Bowl, I got the offensive coordinator matchups in the past five Super Bowls. You can first start with the Patriots and Rams. Zach Taylor was the offensive coordinator for the Rams under Sean McVay. He once got the, he got the Cincinnati job soon after. Josh McDaniels, obviously he's the Raiders coach now, but he was the OC of the Patriots. And granted, it took him a little bit longer to get the job, but that's because it wasn't because something else. It's because of his act, like, the way that Josh McDaniels did Indianapolis was straight up dirty and cold. So he did he did Indianapolis dirty when when they offered him a head coaching job. So teams are like uh, teams are kind of hesitant to like even offer him a job because they saw the way he did Indianapolis. 
They did like he did Indianapolis dirty. So teams were like, oh, I don't know. I pass. Opportunity finally opens up. Raiders offer him the job. He takes it. He's the Raiders coach. Okay, following year, Kansas City versus 49ers. This is Eric Bieniemy. Well, who's the office coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers? It's Mike McDaniels. Mike McDaniels now, obviously, the Dolphins head coach. Many people may not know it, but Mike McDaniels is biracial. You probably wouldn't be able to tell by first glance, but he is. He is biracial. But I'm sure that, like I said, you wouldn't be able to notice first glance. And I'm pro- I'm sure that a couple of y'all, a few of y'all probably didn't know that. But he's biracial, yes. But he got the Dolphins job, nevertheless. Okay, the following year, Kansas City, Tampa Bay. We have two black offensive coordinators. You know what happened to both of them? Well, Eric Bieniemy obviously is in Washington. He got he's the Washington OC, so not a head coach. And then Byron Leftwich, he remained the offense coordinator, won the Super Bowl, remained the offensive coordinator with the Buccaneers. This past year, this past season, got fired. Cool. Next year, the, that next year, Cincinnati versus the Rams. So we got Brian, we got Brian Cunningham, who who Callahan, who is um. He's the offense coordinator for the Bengals. Now he was close. He was really close to getting a, a head coaching job this this season, this year. But I'm sure he's going to be one of the hotter names next year. He's going to be a hot name in the market next year, and he'll probably land a coaching job. What you know, in the next coaching cycle. Rams coordinator Kevin O'Connell. Well, guess what? <laughs> he just got the Vi- he got the Vikings job last year after winning the Super Bowl with the Rams as their court as their offense coordinator. And then this now this year, Kansas City versus Philadelphia, Shane Steichen. He gets a he gets a coaching job. After losing in the Super Bowl, Eric Bieniemy wins his second Super Bowl and he has to leave for yet another offensive coaching co- offensive coordinator job. So I just I, I like I'm now like okay, I'm, I'm perplexed because He's been a part of three Super Bowls. He's won two of them. He's yet to get a job. His opposing offensive coordinator, the the opposing team's offense coordinator, have gotten jobs right soon after that those games. Like, so I don't know what's happening there. Because the trend is if you're an offensive coordinator over the past five years, you are more than likely to end up with a head coaching job really soon after or the year like literally that neck that that offseason that coaching cycle that's the trend that you see what's going on eric Bieniemy? what's going on and then i and i just top it off here i don't know what the end goal is because you look at Bieniemy. Five years, he's had the number one. He's had the number one offense offense in in the in the league. Five AFC championship appearances, won three of them, three Super Bowl appearances, two Super Bowl wins. What's happening? And I know, I know, some of you guys are like, oh, well, he has Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Well, last time I checked, Andy Reid has not won a Super Bowl without Eric Bieniemy. <laughs> like, like, so. Like, I get it. I get it. Like, Mahomes, obviously, we valuable, special, great, all-time great. Andy Reid, coaching legend. We understand that. But Eric Bieniemy, like, 
he's won like the Andy Reid hasn't won a Super Bowl without Eric Bieniemy as his offense coordinator. So like, what's what's happening? What 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 more does he have to do in terms of landing a head coaching spot? And in Washington, I think there's a I think there's an upside and a downside. The upside is this: if Ron Rivera struggles, which is a possibility because you look at you look at the commanders division. You have Philadelphia who's coming off a of Super Bowl loss, but they look like they're gonna be they're they're they got some nice young talent. They're gonna be good, right? Dallas, you can say what you want about Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott and the Cowboys, but they when healthy, when they have their guys healthy, they are a double-digit win team and they are consistently a playoff team, right? And then the Giants overachieved last year, but they have the coaching, they had the coach of the year in Brian Dayball, and it looks like Daniel Jones is trying, is trying to turn the corner. So all of the teams in their division, in the in the commanders division, are kind of trending upward. They're trending upward. And they they like they have they have pieces set in stone. So the upside is hey, if Ramavera struggles, that's that is the gateway for 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 Eric Bieniemy to get a head coaching job in Washington. Got it. The downside is this. I don't know what the end goal is. I don't know how much more Eric Bieniemy has to accomplish to prove that he deserves an offensive uh, he that he deserves a head coaching opportunity because now his quarterback more than likely is probably going to be Sam Howell. I like I, I Sam Howell, not a bad player. I think his ceiling is limited. I don't I think he he has a ceiling um and he has limitations. Um sophomore year at North Carolina was really good, but his then Couple couple guys left on offense. His junior year was not as good. Com- passing yards went down. Passing touchdowns went down. Interceptions went up. And we're talking about Eric Bieniemy. Patrick Mahomes has more Super Bowl MVPs than Sam Howell has NFL starts. So, I, like, I don't know what the expectation is for Eric Bieniemy in Washington. Is it to turn Sam Howe into a superstar? Like, I don't like I don't know how much more or what more he can do or prove that he deserves a head coaching job than he already has done. Is it win Washington a Super Bowl? Like he gotta win a he gotta he gotta lead Washington as the offense coordinator to a, like what is the end result? What is the end result? But you ask yourself time and time again, whether it's the Doug Peterson, Matt Nagy thing. In terms of like, oh, it's Andy Reid hindering his chances. Or you look at the last five years, essentially every offensive coordinator that has participated in a in a Super Bowl the past five years, they have essentially landed a job soon, very soon after. And if they didn't, they're probably going to end up with one really soon. So all good all money is not good money. And that's what I'll say with Eric Bien because I'm sure he got a raise in Washington. But there's there's obviously an upside. There's some upside. There's a good. There's an upside to it, but there's there's a downside to it because you don't know what the end goal is. That's my take, though. I think Eric Bieniemy he definitely deserves a shot to be a head coach in this league, and I think he's done more than enough. But um, let's move on to the Chicago Bears. Let's move on to the Chicago Bears. They have obviously the number one pick. Let's get into that. Um, and let's get into what they should do. Because there's been some reports these past couple days, they're leaning towards moving and trading down. 
And I think this is absolutely the best option. I like, okay. And I told you, I think I explained this a little bit or um like halfway through the season where you know I started to see Justin Fields kind of turn the corner, but Chicago was still, you know, they're they're not really good. They have number one pick for a reason. So they were still losing games, but you could see upside, you could see flashes of Justin Fields. Um, but I I was like think it was like right before the trade that I was like Chicago needs to like they need to move all they do you don't I was happy that they didn't pay Ruquan Smith I, I think Ruquan Smith is a hell of a linebacker but if you're Chicago at this point you're in rebuild mode you have you have some holes still offensively and some so a couple things you could tweak out defensively but like you got some massive holes on offense. So paying, giving Rukon Swift $100 million just did not make sense. Move off of him, get some in return. And and that's all I that's 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 all I've been preaching with Chicago. I'm like, you got cap space. You can move off some of these defensive players that you have that that's gonna be expensive. Get some pieces, get some get some more picks off of it. That has always been my approach with Chicago. And now here I've seen people say, "Hey, maybe they should flirt with the idea of maybe drafting uh, drafting Bryce Young." And I, I like there's I with these quarterbacks, the top the, the top guys, right? Like Young, Stroud, uh, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson. I think they're they all have qualities and traits that I really like. I think Bryce Young. I've had to rank them. Bryce Young will probably be at the top of my list. But Bryce Young is small, and I do not like his frame. The only, the only reason, if I'm Chicago, the only reason, the only reason that I would draft the quarterback and I would move off of Justin Fields, if Caleb, if Caleb Williams was available in this draft, I would move off of Justin Fields and I would draft Caleb Williams. That'd be the. That's the only thing. That's the only thing or option. Or scenario where I would move off of Justin Fields and draft another quarterback. I I would absolutely draft Caleb Williams if he was available. Because he has he's an A plus plus prospect. Like he checks literally all of your boxes. He checks all your boxes. Bryce Young, he does a he does a lot of what you ask for in an NFL quarterback. A lot of what you ask for. He does. He checks those boxes as well. But in terms of his slender and small frame, it scares me. It 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 scares me. And he's a kid. He's small. He got a small frame. But he's also he's a California kid. And then he also played at Alabama his college in in his college years. So we're talking like he's never played in Chicago. And I, Justin Fields is a bigger athlete, strong arm. And he 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 even he was like he came out a couple of weeks ago and said, "Hey, I wish Chicago built a do-. like." He even complained and talked about the weather and the the climate in terms of uh, playing in Chicago. If I'm Chicago, I would not do that. I would not. I would certainly trade down. You're not good. The Bear, you have no one pick for the re- for a reason. You're not good at all. So it absolutely makes complete like it makes complete sense. Like, okay, you don't want to draft a quarterback. People may say, hey, you want to want to draft Will Anderson? 
I think Will Anderson's gonna be a great player in this league. I think he's gonna be a really good player. But that's not gonna make or break Chicago. Like he's not gonna win like he like he's not winning you football games. This is a quarterback league. I'm sorry. Pass rushers do matter. So I don't want to make it seem pass rushers pass rushers do matter, but Chicago Bears had Khalil Mack. They had one of the best like they, they traded for Khalil Mack years ago. They traded for Khalil Mack. Guess guess how many playoff wins that got them? <laughs> yeah, zero. Yeah. <laughs> so like they they they've had they've had one of the best pass rushers in the past 10 years. They've had elite defensive players all the time. That has never been the Bears issue. You know what they haven't had? A, a franchise quarterback. You know what they haven't had? A number one legit wide receiver in a long time. It's been a long time since they had that. And they've never had a franchise caliber quarterback. So I'm completely moving down. I'm rebuilding my offensive line. I'm going, I'm like, I'm finding weapons on the perimeter. I'm absolutely moving down and I'm going to I'm going to acquire as many picks as I need. And you look at the draft order, okay, the Bears, you have your guy at quarterback. But look at all of the other teams below Chicago. You got the Texans, you got the Colts, you got the Raiders, you got the Falcons, you got the Panthers. That's half of the top 10 that they're gonna probably need a quarterback. Like the pet, they're they're looking for a quarterback. The Falcons, they're looking for a quarterback. One of these, like one of these two teams, they're not gonna be able to get Derek Carr or a Jimmy Garoppolo or possibly a Lamar Jackson. So, like two or three of these teams are gonna be still looking to draft a quarterback. So if I'm Chicago, I'm moving down. And I'm not just trading down once. I'm trade. I'm doing what Miami did a couple years back. Miami, what what the Dolphins did, was so so brilliant. They flipped. They they had them up. They had a top pick. They flipped it. They kept going trip trading down, trading down. They acquired so many picks. It's like you look up. They got they got two seconds. They got two thirds. They got three fourths. They got two fifths. Like they had so they had manipulated the draft, and that's how you do it. Like. I'm sorry. The Bryce Young, I really like. I think there's some things that CJ Stroud really showed me um versus like versus Georgia. I really like. I, I like Will Levis. I like the upside. Anthony I like it. I like it all. I like I, I there's some things that I like all, about all of those quarterbacks, but they are not A++ like they're not can't miss prospects, right? It's not like a, a Peyton man. It's not like a Caleb Williams. Like, like I said, if Caleb Williams was in this draft, absolutely, absolutely, number one pick. I'm taking him. Yes. I'm taking him. There's no, like, there's very little, if, like, no hesitation about it. But in terms of what Chicago should do, I think them trading down a couple times, a few times, is absolutely the way to go. Absolutely. I mean, I love some of the other defensive play- like I love some of the defensive ends that's coming out. I love Will Anderson. That is not going to be he's not going to be the determining factor whether or not you compete in your division for years, whether or not you're able to win play. No. It's a quarterback's league and I know some people don't like but it's a quarterback's league. You got to have a guy under center. I'm sorry. 
And I, I said this throughout the regular season when I was talking about the Bears. Anytime I would bring up the Bears and their whole like rebuilding process and stage and before the trade deadline, I, like the Bears have always had great defensive players. They've always had great defensive players. But what do you want to do? You want to continue to bring back the and, and keep honoring that same 85 Bears squad? Or do you want to bring in something new, turn the corner, pivot, and let's like kind of let's let's like let's try to focus on offense a little bit? Like let's try to build up and and fill in the these holes that they have. But the continuous just drafting of defensive play, like they always do well defensively. They're gonna be fine defensively. Trust me. Matt Eberflus, he's he's a defensive guy. They're gonna be fine. I think they gotta I think they gotta look at the grand scheme of things, trade down, acquire picks. You you have more than one or two needs. This is a football team that has multiple needs in multiple facets. Think I think it it, it serves them well to trade down. Absolutely. And I think this is a good segue in terms of speaking of rosters and teams filling out needs, right? Well, NBA trade deadline just passed, and I just talked about, um, I told you guys at the beginning, at the top of the episode, that I would talk about the new-look Lakers and so forth. And I must say, the trade deadline for the Lakers went really well. And my in my assessment, I think it went really well. You looked at, they had, the Lakers had about three, four issues they needed to really, like, tweak out. First shooting, they they they. It seems like they for the past like few years they have just really lacked in terms of shooting the basketball and having a knockdown shooter or a couple knockdown shooters. So they got shooting. They added some shooting. They added the youth. They added versatility, and they got some length on the perimeter. That's what they were missing. And then also like it was quite inevitable that the Russell West the, that the Russell Westbrook thing just wasn't going to work out. I think part of it is like yeah, we can all we can all agree to or if if you're a Westbrook fan, we can agree to disagree that Westbrook in his playstyle is not necessarily conducive to winning a championship, but I think it, 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 there's there one can go too far and say hey, like what's Westbrook is he's just bringing so much toxic baggage and energy within the locker room. That one, I don't believe. Is his play style conducive to winning championships and to winning playoff series and so forth? No. You guys know that I'm a long time. I, I will be the first. If you're if you're a regular listener to my podcast, you you know. I'm, I'll be the first to tell you that Wesley Westbrook's play style is not conducive to winning championships. But the, 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 the way how he was painted as the scapegoat and he's bringing top, like, mm, don't believe it. I've heard too many of his former teammates speak so highly of him. So whatever whatever what was going on in terms of him being the scapegoat and locker room stuff, uh I I I tend to turn my head. But regardless, it was inevitable that the Lakers were going to move off of Russell Westbrook. That was inevitable. But as I, as I talked about the other things, they added some shooting, they added some youth, they got some versatility on the perimeter along with length. That's what they were missing. I like these acquisitions. 
I I think this is if well here's the thing, and this is like my proposition. If the Lakers were healthy, I think this is a playoff team. If you're telling me that I get a, a healthy LeBron James, a healthy Anthony Davis, with these collective with this new collection of players and talent, I think this is a playoff team. I think this Laker team is a playoff team. <laughs> I like Jared Vanderbilt. I think he's gonna be. I think he's gonna be an X factor down the stretch. You just need guys like that, like like Jared Vanderbilt, who's six eight, six nine, can run the floor, can get some buckets, can play some defense. The the real versatile can defend multiple positions. They were missing that that that, that typical Swiss Army knife. That's what they also got in Roy Hachimura. But also, I look at D'Angelo Russell. I always have appreciated and liked D'Angelo Russell's game. He's always had like a a good feel, a good sense for the game in terms of just playmaking ability. Um, always, you know, good shooting touch to score the basketball. And in this year, he's he's scoring the basketball at 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 the most efficient rate of his career. So I like these moves by the Lakers. I like them. Malik Beasley, he can shoot the cover off the basketball. Absolutely, knockdown shooter. Once again, I've said it. The Lakers have been missing it, but. Here's the here's the gist. <laughs> here's the gist of all of that to the Lakers, quote unquote, being a playoff team, right? They had a great win versus Dallas this past Sunday. Great win versus the Mavericks. The Mavericks got their own issues, but nevertheless, 26, 26 point deficit. They cut it. They came back and they won. Great. But after the game, I see the video of LeBron James limping. And then now news broke that LeBron James is going to miss some significant time due to a foot injury or ankle injury. That has been the the problem. <laughs> like I think I and people don't people may not want to admit it. We we love LeBron's longevity and his sustainability and his availability and the mere fact that he hasn't really he hasn't up until he's up until he became a Laker. He never really like sustained any type of serious injury. I remember when he first got back to Cleveland, he had a he had a series of like back pain, like a series of back pain, but nothing too drastic. Since he's got, I, and I've I've said this time and time and time and time again, since he's become an LA Laker, LeBron James has on average has played an average of fifty five games each and every year since he's become a Laker. Since he's become a Laker, he's average. He's he's played an average of fifty five games per season. That's what he is, and I mean, I'm not I'm not blaming him, but my glass it's like my 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 glass half full approach is hey, if this Laker team is healthy, they are a playoff team, and could they win around? Like, could they be really dangerous? I think they could. If they're healthy, that's my glass. That's like kind of like my glass half full approach. Now, if I'm being real, like if, bring it back to reality. The truth is that the Lakers two stars in Anthony Davis and LeBron James struggle to be available. They struggle to stay healthy, whether that's LeBron and his old and his older age and health and nutrition is keep is catching up because these last three, four years. In the back, in the second half of the season, he has sustained some really serious injuries. We can go back his first year in LA, where it, the I think it was the was it like the calf or 
it was like it, it was it was like a, a lower extremity injury things like the calf or something like that he sustained that i mean like time and time again there has been him even getting hurt and then or or and then anthony davis we know about anthony davis that's been the story essentially of his career where he just can't stay healthy. He, I, I, I have this thing with Anthony Davis. I call him the game operation. There's this game called operation, and you every like there's like a little buzzer, and every time the dude gets hurt, you gotta like go fix it. Like the game of operation. That's Anthony Davis. He's literally the game of operation, walking, walking in breathing, living form. So, like I said, I, I like this Lakers squad. I think they did a really good job in terms of solving their issues in their problems and tweaking out some things that needed to be tweaked. But the most important part to this whole element of them making a playoff push and trying to get into the playoffs is just LeBron and AD being healthy. And over the, since, since LeBron has arrived to LA, that has been so much of a, somewhat of a rarity where he can stay healthy for a full season. And then, obviously, like I said, Anthony Davis, that has always been a thing. That's always been a thing of Anthony Davis where he just struggles to stay healthy and just, like, he can't – you can't depend on Anthony Davis to play. Not on not, – not 82 games, but you can't depend on him to play 75 games. Like, and that's a fair assessment. But if you look at LeBron and his play, like, look how many games he's played since he's become a Laker. He 55 his first year, 67 his second year, 45 in 2021, 2020, 2020, 2021, 56 last year, 47 this year. Like, he is no longer playing. Like, you can't physically depend on LeBron at this point to even play 60 games. Like that's 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 the point that we're coming to. You can't defend. You can't depend on LeBron to play sixty games at this point. At this point, you can't. Like physically, he just hasn't been able to do that. Still really good. Still great. But you can't depend on him. And now you've you've never you've never really been able to depend on Anthony Davis health wise. But now LeBron is older. Nutrition age is catching up, and that's kind of like the harsh reality of this whole Lakers situation. Yeah, great job at the trade deadline, but hey, your two best players one is old and injury prone, and the other is supposed to be in his prime, but he's injury prone and has always been injury prone. That's a big issue for the Lakers. We'll see how they bounce back, we'll see what happens. All right, so um, back. I'm back. So lastly, I want to get to um, I want to bounce back to the NFL offseason. Let's let's because free that free agency period really starts like the second week of March. Um, we're almost we're inching closer and closer to March. So um, we should definitely uh like hand it. We, I'm gonna definitely hand on. Like I said, it's going to be a combination of a lot, y'all. It's going to be a combination of a lot. I got some, like I said, today was NFL, got you, talked about the Lakers a little bit. But I'm going to stay in L.A., but I'm going to talk about the Rams. Um, the Rams and also looking at some free agents um, 
looking at what direction this free agency is going to take us in terms of what the market looks like for um and what teams need and what's going to be out there and so forth. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a little, I'm not going to say a deep dive, but a little, a little brief um look and summary at what we have to look forward towards um these next couple weeks in terms of uh, nfl free agency uh who's gonna get franchise tag who i don't think is gonna get franchise tag and so forth and i i'm I'm pointing out the rams because the rams obviously this past year they're coming off of a really really bad year um i as bad as a year as a defending Super Bowl champion has ever had. They actually had the worst they they actually had the worst defending um champion season ever. Worst record for a defending champ in in, in Super Bowl history, by the way. Um so let's talk Rams. Let's talk Rams and what they're doing. And it's it's never it's like I said, granted they had a bad year um after coming off the Super Bowl victory but it's never a dull moment with the Rams in um each and every offseason and they're not afraid to take big swings and we have seen them dabble and dib and dabble into some you know some premium players and you know offloading and shipping out and bringing in players and so forth they have no it's like a revolving door in LA around it like they have no um, they have no problem doing it. Like they, they take big swings. They know what it comes with. They know, um, the repercussions of it because they reaped it, <laughs> they sold it. And then they reaped it this past year. Uh, like I said, they had the worst record for any Super Bowl defending champion in Super Bowl history. Right. Um, and I'll say this Les Snead, I think he's one of those more creative and smart GMs in terms of I've all, I always ask, but like up until this year, I've always used to ask, how in the hell are the Rams paying everybody? They're like they they were paying. They're like it came a point in time. I'm like, okay, what bank are they using that some of these other teams not using? Because team other teams act like they can't sign one of their best players with Rams. They're signing everybody on their roster. They're like they're just picking, dibbling, and dabbling. So here's the thing. I'm going to do a little because I'm now I'm realizing what they do. I'm realizing what the Rams do in terms of their contracts um, as the season like last as this past season wind down. I talked about the Rams and, and Sean McVay's future and just some possibilities like I, I like before the season ended. I talked about um, the possibility of Jalen Ramsey being moved. Now, now those weren't those rumors are swirling and they're becoming a little bit more um, real. I would say, right? Um, and here's the thing: they take big swings, they get in and out of players. So that means in turn, in turn, like contractually. So you know what that means, right? That means they have a lot of dead cap. And in their case, the Rams case, a lot of dead cash. So it, if it, I'm about to, I'm I'm about to bring out some terms, and I will explain. So dead cap or 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 dead cash for the Rams, um, is is a player is when a player is released or traded, but it's a it's they're like in their contract, there's like this guaranteed bonus involved. So that's like dead cash. And what the Rams are doing more times than not. The Rams will pay these bonuses, um, these guaranteed bonuses, 
essentially for the player to go away. The latest example of this is Bobby Wagner. They they last offseason they signed Bobby Wagner to a pretty good deal, like five years, 50 million, like not a not a bad deal considering the market and Bobby Wagner and Wagner did play well this year. Um granted they didn't um they didn't the Rams weren't good, but Wagner played pretty well. And now you're seeing it with Ramsey where he could possibly trade it in this instance too. So basically, like I'm saying, they cash, they have these guaranteed bonuses within the contract, and the dead cash is being created because the what the Rams are doing when they want to move off a guy like Bobby Wagner, they're pushing back the, the guaranteed bonuses in the latter years and they'll just figure it out like when they when 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 need be. So like I, I've gone back and his and this is what I said. Historically, this is what the Rams do in these type of scenarios. They have they 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 they've paid the pray that they pay players the the price to move off. Like they they paid them. So less need is building up these bonuses into the future years, which is dead cap. Is creating dead cap, and then that player could get moved, or they just pay the bonus, right? They just they 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 move them, they release them, they trade them, and then the Rams just pay. It's like a, it's like a yeah, we're we're releasing you, sorry, but here's like a, here's like a token, here's like a token of appreciation. That's what the Rams are doing, and time and time again, this is what they do. Like I, I'm now realizing it. Jared Goff after the Super Bowl run, we all know Jared Goff got paid. He got the six-year, $160 million deal. Well, guess what? The Rams only paid, they only paid Jared Goff two years, $57 million for that deal. And then in the trade, when trading him to Detroit, they paid him, they paid him um, a, an additional $2 million in the trade. So in total, they paid two years, $59 million. Let's just round it up. They paid two years, sixty million, um, for Jared Goff in that that six year deal that they um, originally gave him. Same thing with Todd Gurley. They gave Todd Gurley six years, six year deal, seventy one um and a half million dollars. But guess what? They only paid two for twenty seven, and then they gave him the five million dollar uh, roster bonus when they released him. Same thing with Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks, he signed. They signed him to a five year. For $81 million, they only paid for two thirty-eight and a half, and then they gave him an extra $4 million when they released him. Same thing with Bobby Wagner this time around. Bobby Wagner, like I said, I gave you, he signed for five, um, five years for $50 million. Um, like I said, it was a good deal, but they only paid him, like the Rams paid him for one year, $7, seven million, and then they're going to give him, once he leaves, and he signs with a new team, he would get, I'm, I'm assuming that Bobby Wagner would get another lucrative deal. And then in that same instance, the Rams will pay him three and a half million dollars um, in that bonus. Now, here's the thing. So you see, you see what they do. They essentially, they're giving out long-term contracts and they're like, yeah, we'll pay the Piper, right? Halfway, not even halfway through some of these deals, 
But a quarter way through these deals, they're like, okay, uh, we'll cut bait. We'll trade you or release you. And in us trading or releasing you, we'll just pay you your your, your the, the bonus, the roster bonus, where it's like, okay, like, cool. With Jalen Ramsey, it's a little bit more... It's a little bit more intricate than that because they got Ramsey. Um, they signed Ramsey once they traded for him, uh, get him out of Jacksonville. They gave him a six-year, one fourteen million dollar deal, uh, sixteen for one fourteen, six years for one fourteen. They have they paid him so far three three years for fifty eight point eight, and then next year there's a twelve million dollar there's a twelve million dollar guarantee. So he's guaranteed twelve million dollars. It seems like he's gonna get traded. And it seems like wherever he gets traded, they're going to probably have to extend him. They're going to probably give him an extension or they're going to be in line to give him an extension. Um, but it seems as if they're going to get traded. And I mean, that Rams is going to get traded and he'll get that $12 million guaranteed um, from someone else. I get yeah, He'll get that $12 million for someone else. And on top of that, he'll get the deal. So, Really, the Rams walk away paying Ramsey. They gave him six for 114, but they only going to pay him three for 58. If if they trade him, obviously, if they don't, then um, that guarantee would just roll over and he would just have to play it out um, and they just have to play it out. But it looks as if they're going to probably trade him um, to a team that's not not necessarily a bad team, but a good team. That's like a couple pieces away. So you look at like a, a Detroit. Detroit, I, I I heard Detroit is one of those teams that would be a a, a willing suitor for Jalen Ramsey. I'm also thinking like a, a Cincinnati Bengals where they um maybe they want to add another maybe they want to add another guy in the back end. So my old my what the whole gist of this is I criticized the Rams later in the season because. I was looking at their salary cap issues. Um, they have very, they have very little to none to no like um, draft capital because obviously with all of these, all of these big time premium players that they've gotten and paid for, they've they've essentially traded for for a lot of these guys, right? So. I'm just like, okay, where where do you start? Like, where do you start? And I'm and that's why I'm assuming, like, even though Bobby Wagner, the deal wasn't bad, and the Ram, and, and by any means, the Rams are not like they're not cutting corners with these players because you look at you look at Jared Goff, what they paid him, they pay him two for sixty two years for sixty million dollars at the time, thirty million dollars, that was like at the court at the time that was like premium price that was that was that was the premium price right there so they're not cutting corners with these deals they're just getting out of these deals sooner than what other teams would and and it's leading into dead cap dead cash dead cash in the in, in their salary cap and they're just pushing it back to future years so a part of me i'm still I'm still wondering if their Super Bowl window is open because it certainly just shut closed shut last year. Um they they were not a good football, football team last year. But I'm really curious to see 
um, what Les Snead does in terms of uh, roster building um, and how he constructs this roster to be a contender again, because he like the way how they are, the way how the Rams are structuring these deals and contracts, it definitely shows that Les Snead understands um, that these things happen. And with these future guarantees, um, they're 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 like they're just pushing everything back on the back burner. I think it's a good approach. I think the Eagles have taken this approach as well. It's not an approach that a lot of teams use, but Les Need, I think, understands how this thing really works and like in a in a Belichick in a Belichick form, but not really Belichick because Belichick is hesitant to pay. No, but the Rams they are pay, they are paid a piper, but they get out the deals um, sooner than what other teams usually do. Once again, they did the same thing with Matt, Matthew Stafford. By the way, Matthew they I so obviously they won the Super Bowl. They gave Matthew Stafford the contract extension, but. They easily had an out on Matthew Stafford's contract. That's why Matthew Stafford had to go on his, I think he went on his wife's podcast and he talked about like, hey, like I'm coming back and so forth. So like they they find it's 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 a really wise approach that they take, that the Rams take. And that's just how they do business. That's it's it's funny because I was looking and I'm like, man. The Rams, they certainly pay a lot of guys, and they get out of these deals and these contracts. Well, they are they're doing it just by okay, we pay you know we 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 signed you to a five year deal, we paid you two for two years. We want to move on, you know whatever too expensive or aging, not as good like whatever whatever the case is. Because I mean, like I said. Bobby Wagner, the deal that they signed them to wasn't bad, but I guess the Rams, they're so salary cap strapped. They're like, uh, we can probably do without and we can, um, you know, we can cut bait and we can just give him the three and a half million dollar bonus. Cool. So just throwing that out there, I thought I think that's an interesting approach. And in, in speaking of free agency and or available free agents. This free agent market is very, very defensive oriented. Like usually, um, like with free agency, there's like, oh, this is a like, this is a good wide receiver. This is a wide receiver free. Like, no, 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 no. This free agency market is definitely about defense. So if your team is in need of defense, of just defensive play, and I'm not just talking about secondary play. There is a good, like, good variety of secondary players, uh, defensive linemen, edge rushers, and these guys probably won't be tagged. Like, I got a, I got a few, I got some names listed um, of players that I don't think are going to be tagged. I think the top of that list it, it would probably have to be Javon Hargrave of the Eagles. Um, I think he should probably test the market. Because now this has been he's been on multiple, multiple teams where he has showed he's shown his value. And it, like I said, free agency is going to I think negotiations start March the 13th. Um, if if Philly and Hargrave can't get a deal done, I, 
I think Hargrave should definitely test the market because I think there might be a suitor willing to give him 20 to 25 million. He's an inside tackle, but he's shown to be really versatile. And I think looking at the free agent market, he is definitely like a top, at least a top 10 player on the market. I would say I would probably go as far as saying a top five player on the market. Like I, I think there's definitely there would definitely be um, there's definitely a market for Javon Hargrave and a, a team that I think teams will be willing to pay 20, maybe even 25 million dollars like per year um, for Javon Hargrave. So I think he's definitely one of those guys. As I mentioned, Bobby Wagner, he's back on the free agency market. Um, like I said, the Rams, they wanted to move on for whatever their reasons were, which is probably had something to do with their salary cap. But Bobby Wagner, he's coming off a really good year. He still has really good value. He's going to still go somewhere this offseason. I still think he can get a lucrative deal. Uh, Jesse Bates, I don't think the Cincinnati Bengals are going to franchise tag him for a second time. I don't think they do that. So Jesse Bates, I mean, a ball hawking safety that's on the market. Absolutely. I think they're suitors. I look at a guy like James Bradbury. James Bradbury, like, he is a legit starting DB in this league. I mean, James Bradbury, coming off he, in New York, he had a few good years. Philly, Philadelphia, can't went to Philadelphia on one-year deal. Had a really good year. Granted, he had the uh, the, whole, the the cost the costly holding call in the Super Bowl, but regardless, still had a really good year. And he's a legit corner, and he's not at the top of his market in terms of like DBs. But like, you don't have to pay him that much. Like that is James Bradbury is a steal. I feel like I look at a guy like uh, Levante David. I like Levante David, Jamel Dean, those guys in Tampa Bay. I, you know, Tempe, their their little their um their salary cap situation is a little iffy. So I can definitely see uh Levante David moving uh or Jamel Dean moving. Um Trey Edmonds. What do the Bills do with Trey Edmonds? What happens? I don't think they franchise tag him. So I definitely think Trey Edmonds, I've seen improvement. He can definitely certainly help out a, a young defense, a young emerging defense. Jordan Poyer who is a little bit on the older side, but he's a thumper. He's a thumper. He's a hard-hitting safety. I think teams still would pay for it. I think teams would pay for that. Um, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, he he really does it all, really. I mean, he's a ball hawk. He's a thumper. He's good in run support. He can. He's a shutdown safety. I mean, really good. Now, there there might be some pushback where in terms of like okay like how much do you pay him, but I think because because he he's so injury prone and he's he's a smaller guy, but I think he's a he's a fifteen million dollar safety, like so there's there's going to be some really good players defensively on the market and you like you're gonna see some teams that were good like I think I'm looking at a team like the Lions like the Lions look I mean. They were great offensively this past year. Defensively, they were a hot mess. Like for the like for the most part, defensively, the Lions were a hot mess. So the Lions, I think, are absolutely buyers in this market. 
And if they just make some, if they make a couple moves defensively, the Lions, man, like you're looking at a legit, really legit roster. Um, the Cowboys, the Cowboys may want to be like they're really good already. The Cowboys are good. They 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 win since Mike McCarthy has been there, and and Mike McCarthy has had a healthy Dak Prescott. They win 11, 10, 11, 12 games on a yearly basis. They could certainly use a Jordan Poyer. They can certainly use a Bobby Wagner. And so I think you're going to see some teams who, like, defensively they may struggle a bit or they may have, like, a hole or two in their defense. And that's what that's what keeps them back from being good and not or and, and not great. And I think like a team like the Lions, a good team, if they get if they seek out and get some more defensive upgrades, they they like they could be they can make that that next jump into being a playoff team and a playoff team that can win multiple games. They can make that next jump. It's going to be real interesting to see what happens. I just thought I would throw that out there briefly. But um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, I will be obviously I will try I will be back with more content for you guys but I hope you guys enjoyed this episode um yeah I hope you guys enjoy always remember two choices one decision uh, I will be back later this week peace deuces out